0: Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. I hope you're all well, healthy, happy, crushing it. This podcast is about people in midlife. I don't even like that word, but I guess it makes sense. You're in your 40s. You're, you know, hopefully around midlife um, or maybe working your way into midlife and um, Folks who are sort of coming to terms with the fact that they're no longer 22. Let's say that. So a lot of us fall into that category. If you're 22 and listening to this, congratulations. All right. Good for you. But you're not going to be 22 forever. (laughs) So you can listen to this too. Um, I apologize right off the bat. Unfortunately, this episode um, is not, there isn't a video recording, Because I was trying to make some room on my computer, I was messing around and like deleting some files and the cloud, etc. You know how it goes. I deleted the video recording of this episode, which sucks because I do like it better when people can see the guest and our faces and see us interacting. I think it's better, especially for those of you who listen on YouTube. So I apologize. If you do, I think most of you probably don't, in which case it makes no difference. But I just wanted to say sorry about that off the top. Um, But my guest today is awesome. His name is Dr. Mark Bubbs. He is a naturopathic doctor. He's a performance nutrition lead for Canada basketball, performance nutrition consultant for a portfolio of professional and Olympic athletes. He wrote a best selling book called Peak, and his new book, Peak 40 comes out very shortly, uh, all about building a leaner, stronger body and a sharper mind in midlife. So any of you guys who, you know, follow football, you got Tom Brady, we've got some like MMA fighters in their 40s who are crushing it, like this is a thing now, okay? We don't have the excuse anymore that we're not young, that we're not in our 20s, that it's all downhill from here. It doesn't have to be that way. And Mark talks a lot about that. He goes in depth from uh, a nutrition perspective, a training perspective, lifestyle, so the mindset of it, the sleep aspect, all of that good stuff. Um, And we really do touch very specifically on, apparently, this is like a scientifically proven thing, which I'm not super pumped about being in my 30s and staring down the barrel of hitting my 40s, if I'm lucky, is that uh, there tends to be a happiness slump that is almost universal across um, socioeconomic factors, um, geography, all of that. People tend to kind of bottom out in their 40s. of course, there are things we can do to avoid that. We can be healthier and happier and proactive um, and avoid that slump in many ways. There's tons we can do. So Mark gets into talking about why this happens, how this happens, and how we can avoid it, um, among a lot of other things. So I'm very excited for you to listen to this episode. It's full of really, really practical information. And I will say that about his book too, the new book, Peak 40, which I read um, before this podcast. It is probably going to be one of my most recommended books for potential coaching clients or just people who I'm not going to coach, but I want them to have real information to use. Um, It's just so applicable. It's so accessible, but it's research backed. It's experience backed. um, And it tells you what you need to hear on all levels of health and wellness and fitness. I cannot recommend this book highly enough, honestly. So uh, definitely check out the book when it comes out. I'll have a link in the show notes for you to either pre-order or order it, depending on when this is coming out. Um, but have a listen first to Dr. Bubbs and myself chatting about getting old and how it doesn't have to be a big deal. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, stay tuned till the end. And if you are enjoying it, please, this is my maybe once monthly plea to you guys to make sure you subscribe, make sure you download, please rate and review and share this podcast. It's the only way I can promote it and grow it and keep it going. So if you do like it and you haven't done that yet, it takes two minutes and it makes a huge difference to me. I see all the reviews. Um, It would be greatly appreciated. So thank you in advance. Please enjoy the episode and uh, I'll catch you at the end all right Mark I think we're recording. welcome to the podcast
1: Awesome listen I appreciate you uh, having me on and taking the time
0: yeah so we just found out because I knew I knew that you were Canadian because you've you've worked with a bunch of kind of Canadian athletes and uh, and sports teams and I always appreciate having a fellow Canadian on the podcast nice. but you're in the UK now what are you doing there?
1: Yeah well sort of a Long and short story. You know, my wife's British. And so we came over a few years ago to help out with with some family members in terms of their health. And then, you know, baby number three and then a worldwide pandemic. And we're still over here. So there you go. It's 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 amplified the remote consulting uh, side of the business. But uh, no, it's been good fun.
0: Okay. So do you, you like it over there? Like you, you don't miss, I mean, let's not talk about if you're from Toronto, obviously you're not missing Toronto too much right now with the current situation, but do you, do you miss Canada? Do you miss coming home? Or do you, you like kind of the the culture and the, the vibe over there?
1: Well, I mean, I've always loved to travel and things. It's just, obviously it's different now having little ones at home. It's not the same type of traveling. And so, um, you know, working with Canada basketball still as the performance nutrition lead, I mean, you get to come back and, and reconnect and, Got a lot of you know business over there as well. So pre-COVID, I was still traveling a lot and coming back every couple of months, whether it's to US and Toronto and Canada. Um, but post with the COVID, it's been a really strange year because it's just no no travel. So that's been that's been probably the biggest shift really.
0: Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, our and I mean, I use our industry loosely because obviously, you know, fitness, performance, nutrition, wellness, all of that is sort of a big umbrella. Um, But it's been interesting to see how folks have adapted and how many people have uh, really thrived under these conditions because- it is still something like accountability and resources and help in this area is more needed perhaps than ever. Um, and for people, sure, you know, are just kind of sitting around, like looking for ways to, to feel better. I think a lot of us, so it's been, it's been interesting to see that shift. And I mean, I've done a lot of stuff in the pandemic that I think I've I actually feel quite good about. I still wish I could see human beings in real life, but, <laughs> but you know, this kind of stuff. You know, it
1: always helps. Helps.
0: Yeah. It's, it doesn't hurt. Um, but how has, how has your work and the nature of your work really changed?
1: Well, like you said, it's been interesting because on the sort of corporate side of things and general population, I think even pre-COVID, a lot of companies were putting a lot of uh, resources into mental health and how nutrition and exercise can help. And so, you know, you go into different law firms and things and give talks and companies were always a little bit apprehensive to have sort of remote talks they always wanted that in person feel and yeah. probably what you've noticed as well is all of a sudden you give some of these remote talks um you know the attendees get value and then all of a sudden the you know the the, the companies think this is actually great we don't have to bring somebody in and so that whole thing has changed i think the zoom the last year of zooming has really shifted everyone's mindset on that front. Yeah. And so that's been really nice on the athlete side of things. It's been, a, you know, it's been a challenge because you've got all sorts of stops and starts and in, in different leagues around the world and different rules around the world and athletes being stuck in different places, the Olympics being moved. I mean, so that's just really been challenging and, you know, as a practitioner, but even for the athletes, that unknown pieces is, is, it's amazing how that derails things. So, so much because, you know, as, as you know, elite athletes, pro athletes, that regularity, that, that schedule is, is really what they lean on. And all, all of a sudden, you know, all bets are off. You don't know what you're training for. Will there be a nationals? Will there be an Olympics? And so, you know, it's been really to see that sort of human side of, of elite and professional athletes, because just like, you know, just like anybody that those stresses and anxieties influence, you know, their training and their life.
0: Absolutely, and motivation and, and all that stuff because mm-hmm. I mean, elite athletes more than anybody, us, us sort of like recreational, like weekend warrior type athletes deal with it too, but especially elite athletes, like you've got like cycles and peaks and arcs and valleys of training. And when you don't know what's coming, or mm-hmm. when, or, I mean, that's got to really mess with you mentally. I mean, cause I, again, like the average person who likes to train for a 10 K a couple of times a year or a CrossFit workout, like you yeah. don't have those things. We feel lost. And for I mean, sure, it's like a hundred times that when you're a professional athlete. So, well,
1: and I think the Olympians are really feeling it because to your point, like it sucks if you're training for a 10 K or, or a marathon, let's say, and you yeah. put six months of training in and you're like, oh man, my, you know, the New York marathon or the Toronto marathon got canceled. That's no good. Um, and then you think of someone who's putting three and a half years and they're almost there, and now everything goes into a flux. And it just shows you how you know these similarities between you know there's a lot of differences, obviously between us, the general population, and elite athletes, but there's a ton of similarities. And that mindset piece is a big one. You know what you touched on of you know having a plan of having you know a goal or a target that you're aiming for, and being able to to systematically follow that is so important. And when that gets derailed, the anxieties that all of us feel if we're struggling or hitting roadblocks or all those things, you know, they, they feel the same thing and it can, it can derail their training and their, you know, the quality of what they're trying to, to achieve as well.
0: Yeah. Do you work with um, mostly teams or is it sort of half and half, like individual sport athletes and teams?
1: Yeah. So I work with uh, a lot of basketball players, obviously through Canada basketball and I do a lot of consulting work. And so, you know, this past year pairing with Altus and doing more work with with track and field which I've done some in the past as well. So that's been pretty cool with, you know, working with individual athletes, which is tend to, you know, when I consult, it tends to be on the individual athlete side of things. So a particular athlete on a team or in this case, you know, track and field. And that's nice in in itself to be able to kind of get to know the athletes a little bit more and then be able to really, you know, tease out some of the roadblocks because, you know, oftentimes we think it's just sort of calories and macros and just telling them here's the plan and follow it. But you know, again, like the rest of us, they're human and things get in the way and life gets in the way. And so how do we start to, to, you know, uncover what are some of these, these areas that are holding athletes back? And so that's, that's part of the fun.
0: Man, if it was just that easy, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Right.
0: Be so good. Do you work with uh, like university basketball athletes in Canada?
1: Yeah, we that's... work with, uh, you know, with Canada basketball, we start with our 13 year olds all the way up to our Olympic team. So okay. we have that side. And then through that, you know work with a lot of male and, and and female basketball players and so it's you know it's always interesting that it's it's always with team sports it's amazing just the caloric expenditure right like if you're playing basketball or football or soccer the accelerations the decelerations the change of direction the physical contact all of these things really drive up caloric intake mm-hmm. so it's a little bit tricky to think about you know we think of an hour in the gym even an intense workout i mean you know, it's definitely intense, but when we look at the caloric demands, they're actually really different. And so sometimes if we're coming at this too much from our, you know, sort of bodybuilding or physique side of things, it's, it's a different in the sense you have got to really account for that difference in caloric intake. And so this is where the, the fueling, especially with younger athletes, like you mentioned, whether at high school, collegiate, the amount of calories it takes to get through the day is just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm jealous now at 42 to be really? these kids eating that much food. for It's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of like a 16-year-old boy who's 6'8 and playing basketball at a high level. <laughs> like the amount of food that kid has to eat, that's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's always, it gets into that conversation around, you know, for our general population, we're trying to always, you know, eat real food, try to reduce your processed food. And that's, those are great messages it then, it then becomes hard, even for parents or coaches. When we have an athlete like that, who's 16, 18, 22, and they need to consume 4,000 calories a day, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's incredibly difficult, if impossible to get there on, on just whole foods, right? You're going to get full if you eat three heads of broccoli. And so the idea that we're going to have some of these things that are more calorically dense, And that's going to actually be okay. Not only okay, it's going to be beneficial and not detrimental to health is a really hard one for people to kind of wrap their heads around because, you know, when the context changes, you know, the, the advice can change. And we're so used to saying, stay away from that, that it's hard for even parents to say, well, come on, you know, juice or or this type of energy drink or whatever it might be. Um, but, But yeah, we need that to keep the logs on the fire and to keep, keep the fire burning. Otherwise with all that activity, You you start to get into problems when there's not enough energy going in the system.
0: Yeah, I think that's why, the the idea of like context and nuance is so important in this kind of conversation and that's what I really like about your book and we're, we're going to get into that because I have a lot of uh strong feelings about the book and some questions that I want to ask you good feelings
1: cool. <laughs> nice.
0: but, nice but yeah it's it's true like it's I remember I think it was like a um an MMA fighter I was watching something about their like prep and that's that's another sport where obviously they have just huge energy demands their training is is mm-hmm. ridiculous And they were saying something similar where they're like obviously i need to fuel my body with high quality food but i also need just calories also at the end of the day so what i do is i make sure like i have a nutritionist and i have all these like people doing all these scientific calculations for me Mm -hmm. make sure that i get this basic like i get my macros in, i get my like micronutrients in and then Mm -hmm. when that's all good and taken care of I fill in the rest with (laughs) french fries and some sugar and some whatever, because it's like, there's like metabolic currency that's happening here when you have a lot of muscle, when you're a very lean person and when you're Mm -hmm. incredibly active, you know? And I think it's just, it's really hard. And I feel like it's becoming increasingly difficult in our um, increasingly polarized, like online world to parse out some of this like nuance. Because again, yeah, it's like people are either like, there's no difference. It's calories in calories out. You do what you got to do, like whatever a calorie deficit, you're going to be healthy. Or there's like the other side where it's like, you cannot eat a chocolate bar. You to die. <laughs> yeah. And there, of course
1: yeah. there's
0: so much. It the-
1: becomes ridiculous, right?
0: Yeah. It's, and I mean, I think it's also because, and this is something I've talked about a lot on the podcast Um that it's at the end of the day, it's a lot easier generally for human beings to get their head around like really strict black and white rules than it is to understand moderation and context and individual, uh, requirements and stuff, right. It's just a lot more work. So luckily there are people Uh, like you who maybe uh, (laughs) have the patience to sort some of that out for people, but, um, yeah,
1: it's a great point. I mean, it's one of the ones, you know, in, in peak, or I interviewed Andrew King, who's a behavioral ecologist, um, out at Swansea university and he does all this research on animals. And to your point, you know, when we're, when the, when the problem's complex or our world is really busy, we tend to default to heuristics. And so to your point, when, you know, when life is busy and works busy, and whether it's kids at home or social commitments, we want to have something that's easy to follow. Like you mentioned, especially when you're learning something black and white rules, like just tell me what to do. And that's a great way to get started. Of course, as you know, hopefully in that process, we can teach people, you know, some of the principles and and learn the skills that they need to keep doing it themselves. So they don't, you know, as much as I love my clients, I don't want to have a client for 20 years because it means that we're not, (laughs) we're not doing something correctly. Um, So there's that whole aspect of it. And I I totally agree that then this is where following a specific dietary approach can, can be fine. You know, there's, there's too much kind of bashing on the internet of this diet versus that diet. Like any diet that gets somebody started in the right direction, is a great thing, right? Um, And then to circle back to your comments about the MMA, I mean, this is where it gets really interesting when we talk about sports where you're making weight because you can really start to appreciate how, you know, reducing in the the week before weigh-ins, they'll really reduce fiber intake. Mm -hmm. And so it's amazing how body weight will drop quite significantly with removing fiber. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, salt intake, that goes down quite a bit as well. And so you start to realize that you can really sway weights by three, four, five pounds with just, Mm -hmm you know, things like fiber intake. And if we think about the general population, like what does that dovetail to? Well, if you think of people who are doing cleanses, right. you know, or or like just drinking water 24 hour fast, and they go, great, I lost four pounds. Well, the four pounds you lost is just the contents of the four intestinal pounds. tract, you know, that that's, that's going to come back, right? Yeah. And so that's, those are some of the coaching moments that we can use with our clients. Because I think sometimes, and I'm sure, you you know, I know you see this a lot as well. We get so married to the outcome goal of like, what is that number on the scale I'm trying to get to? That along this, this journey of getting there, we're not appreciating the lessons that we can learn along the way that bring on the skills that we need to actually, you know, not only achieve the outcome goal, but stay there once we get there. Because it's the, yes. you know, it's the staying that's the hard part. The losing is, is, is not so hard. It's the staying that, you know, we really need to work on.
0: Yes. The sustainability Mm -hmm. part. The
1: Sustainability piece.
0: When I was reading your books, your new book, Peak 40. So we're going to talk about this. I'm thinking like I want really, and this isn't blowing smoke. I'm like, and I do a little bit of coaching still like sort of more high level health coaching for like women, maybe more specifically who are just like, I just want to have a bit more muscle. I just want to feel better. I just want to stop being obsessed with how many calories I'm eating all the time. And there's, I want everybody that I ever work with to read your book because it's just, it honestly, it's so useful. There's so much information in there that is like tangible and useful and straightforward, but it also speaks so much to fundamentals, consistency, like, you know, patience, not, not falling victim to these like fad, diet do something in three weeks but then then what because I mm. actually learn what to do and I don't know where to go from here um and there's so many things that you were saying in the book that I was like yes like why don't I, I just want people to get it like I just want <laughs> yeah. you can tell people but it's just like it's one of those things I feel like and maybe it is different when you're dealing with elite athletes I don't know if it is or not um versus kind of more sort of you know quote-unquote general population people, yeah. general population um where it's like it almost feels like you have to go through this process this trial and error this learning process first like you almost can't do it the like reasonable sustainable intelligent way until after you've done a couple like fad crash crazy yeah. diets or something like i don't know like what's what's your experience there? Like why? And and I guess there is sort of an element of like people do learn better when they learn themselves versus just old. Right. So I I get that. Um, But why is it that we just, no matter how many smart people tell us, look, (laughs) the longer, the longer, less, maybe sexy road is truly the one that you're going to take eventually to get what you want. They just keep taking those other ones, first. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's, it's attempting to take that quick fix. Right. And it's uh, you know, anytime we, again, we have these complex problems. It's, this is where we get into what we call deep learning where, you know, it's like learning how to play the guitar or learning how to speak French or Italian. Like you wouldn't expect to be great after four weeks, right? Like you would not expect to be Jimi Hendrix or to speak fluently in Italian mm-hmm. yet for, for other aspects like weight loss, because the expectation has been set in the general you know, blogosphere or social media sphere. Yeah. We were bought into this sort of four weeks or bust type of deal. And yeah. I think that's where, you know, hopefully trying to translate some of what these elite athletes are doing is that that's not the approach that they take. And ironically with our clients, you know, the, the people in their business life or in their finances, they don't bet everything on black, right. They don't put all of their chips down on one, right. They take that slow, sustained approach to achieve the outcomes. Mm-hmm. But again, that sort of human part of us that just wants to Have that quick fix. And, and a lot of that's just driven by, you know, fear and anxiety, right? We're so used to being stuck or hitting the plateau that we don't really have the confidence that going through that journey is actually going to provide those learning lessons. And so that's why, you know, somebody might work with someone like yourself or myself or another coach to say, Hey, we've been down this road. We know how to get you from point A to point B. Yes, it's going to get a little rocky in spots, but that's that's normal. Like that's part of the whole story. And the more we can lean into that sort of process oriented versus you know in present state thinking versus that outcome, you know, then you start to see. And i sure, you know I know you see this as well with your clients, but once they're thinking about what they're doing in that day and staying present versus wondering why am I not at that weight yet, and you know, for anybody who plays tennis or golf, like if you're thinking. I want to hit it in. If you're, you know, serving a tennis serve, or if you're a golfer, like I want to hit it in the fairway. Whilst you're swinging, like there's no chance it's going to go in, right? You've got to have, you got to have a thought about the process that's going on. And so it's, it gets back to that whole mindset piece of when we start these journeys with that mindset of, you know, I've got to get there. Or with those anxieties are, are really, you know, front and center or bubbling to the surface, it becomes difficult because at the first sign of a roadblock the client wants to shotgun, like, let's do this. Let's go that approach. Let's try this. Let's, it's like, and then the funny part is always like the solution is only five degrees off what they're doing. It's just the fact that they don't have you or myself or somebody else to help them see, okay, don't worry. This is fine. This is expected. Um, So I think, you know, thankfully there's more, more information coming out like that, but I think that's the difficult thing is just to buy in to the process and say, you know, we're going to take 12 weeks and or however long it is and, You know, and and resetting that expectation. We don't want to lose, you know, unless you have a lot of weight to lose, you don't really want to lose 30 pounds in 30 days, right? That's not, uh, that's not the best bet.
0: Yeah. I like to, in the book, how you use examples from professional athletes, because again, that is something that is another kind of human nature thing. Mm -hmm. Like we like to hear about what the elite best of the best are doing. We like to hear that they make mistakes too, and they learn from them. Um, And it is something that I I sort of reference in my own work too, even if, if we call it like a little bit of like I don't want to say the word shaming, but I do like one of the examples that I use a lot and I find this a lot with women. I don't know if men are the same, probably. um, We have a really hard time like recovering and taking downtime. Like everyone just wants to grind and grind. Mm. You take a day off. It's because you're lazy. And I like to kind of reference that like, you know, the, the pro mindset, that's not how pros work. Yeah. that's not how pros think they love their recovery and downtime they prioritize that and they respect it because they know that's when they get stronger and are able to work harder the next time like nobody can avoid it nobody is like the special superman that can just not take time off to recover that doesn't exist and if you think you're that person give it another couple weeks and (laughs) you'll realize that you aren't you know exactly so um but yeah i like that you that you used examples from like real you know high level athletes to show like they are people too and they they struggle with these things as well and but here's how you can kind of overcome it so um yeah
1: we tend to get those snippets don't we like we get that little highlight package of how the athlete got to wimbledon final or to the olympics and it just seems like it's this one month journey where you know, and all these great players like Andy Murray or Kelly Holmes, these Olympians. You know, it's it's years of having to prepare and get to this point. And we don't want to scare people off by saying it's years, but it's it's nice to know that if you make small changes, you know, it's like compound interest. You know, you can you start getting benefits without trying so hard. And to your to your first point there, people who are that type A, which you know we deal a lot with, we get addicted to that endorphin rush, right? We get addicted to the adrenaline, and now all of a sudden. You know the difference between the bodybuilder or the figure competitor who's a professional is they train hard, but then they go home and sleep or take a nap, right? They're not really moving even that much throughout the day. They're really, and, and that allows them to, to be able to train hard, to restrict calories. But if our clients are going out and working from six in the morning till six at night and they've got kids at home or social you know, responsibilities and things to do, then man, that's a long day. And all that starts to, to add up uh, which is what we see now in, in pro sport is this idea that your life load. So, you know, we've got training load, which is what you do in the gym. But if your life load with just how much you move in a day, mental, emotional stress, and that's really high, that actually hampers how well you can you can recover and therefore adapt to the training that you're doing. And so to your point, you know, if, if people are in these windows where it's like, oh, this is going to be really crazy next three or four weeks, I've got all these deadlines at work. Well, that's not the best time to be really gunning it, whether it's training or caloric deficit, right? Like now we're just trying to, you know, maintain status quo, maybe develop a few habits that are going to help us further down the road. Um, But that's unfortunately, as you know, this is where people just want to get there as quick as they can. And the problem is you end up every year you're asking the same question of how do I, how do I achieve my goal versus if we take it slow, then you, you know, you build on it month by month, year by year. And there was a, you know, there's a great uh, strength and conditioning Uh, coach over here in the UK who runs a master's program at St. Mary's university. And and when people tell him their goals, he says, great, let's divide that by four. Like, what do you mean? Like I want to add 50 pounds to my squat. It's like, perfect. Well, that's going to be 12 and a half pounds a year for the next four years. You know, it doesn't, it it doesn't have to be that, but it's just a way of, of just immediately deconstructing the expectations to say, this is actually how long it takes. And, you know, and we're going to build the roadmap and teach you the skills and that kind of deal. But I, I love that. Just ha- the reframing that expectation is such a key, key part of this whole story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that concept of that, like allostatic or like cumulative load and like the idea that the more busy and crazy your life is and the less time you have to rest, those are the people who should be resting the most, which of course is so frustrating for people because they're like, I barely have time to work out. Like, how am I supposed to rest? And I'm like, hello, that's what I'm telling you. Like if you yeah. barely have time to do anything, you need to rest so that you can, yeah, uh, it's it's an ongoing thing. I know, we just, we just, and you know, it's this, like this cliche thing that I say all the time, except that it's also true, is that the more you learn to love the process and the more you learn to love the learning part of it, and even the parts where it gets rocky, like you said, or the parts where you do have ups and downs and plateaus, and you're like figuring out problems, the more mm-hmm. you start to like, look at that, like, a like, I'm learning more, like I'm eliminating things that don't work, like I'm getting closer. Um, I'm enjoying the process, the more you get into that headspace, then the less you're just like, trying to get to your goal and not actually living your life and enjoying what's happening because most people too, like, especially, I mean, professional athletes, maybe, but like most of us, we don't even have really an end goal. Like we might say, I want to get 50 pounds heavier on my, on my squat, or I want to be this percent body weight. But like, once you get there, like your life isn't over your, your yeah. journey isn't over. So like, to look at it only in terms of like, I just got to get through this period to get to here, but then what happens once you're here? Like you got to figure something yeah. else out. So
1: life, life keeps going, right. You got to, you're yeah. going to, you going to have to do something the next day. And what's that thing going to be? And um, yeah, there's a great quote from, that we hear a lot now in sport called, you know, I either win or I learn. Yeah. So rather than like win or lose, it's like, yeah, I win. Okay, great. If I lose, well, I'm actually learning something. Yes. And, you know, as you mentioned that, that's the part we got to lean into because, The roadblock is going to come up no matter what dietary strategy you pick. Like you might get a little easy win at the start if you're going a certain way, whether it's keto, low fat, whatever, everything in between. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, yeah, we've got got to start to learn those lessons and
0: uh,
1: it's not always easy, right?
0: Excuse me for a brief moment, friends and listeners. I want to tell you about a new show sponsor that I'm very excited to be working with. The company is called Medicine Man Plant Co. And yes, the word plant is in there. So you might be thinking again, what's going on with my organ meat eating uh, podcast host who's now seems to be all about the plants. Uh, The reality is I've never been anti-plant. I've never been against plant medicine and plants in your diet. Um, I understand the deep, deep, Uh, connection that human beings have to plant medicine and how it's something that we have used to treat ailments and treat sicknesses and um, be robust, healthy um, human beings with strong immune systems for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, And I recognize that it's important. And that's why I've almost always supplemented with some kind of um, Uh, a plant-based supplement. This company, um, they understand that our culture does tend to have a little bit of maybe fear or trepidation around... um, Herbal supplements, which is kind of crazy um, when you think about how medicalized our society is. And listen, this is not a conversation about um, modern medicine being bad and plant medicine being the only way. I do not believe that. I believe that we are at a beautiful time in life that we have access to all of the resources that we have to make ourselves healthy and happy. Um, but I do think it's interesting that we we don't often ask for the ingredients of the pills at our local pharmacy, but um, we're very, very mistrusting of um, herbal supplements and plant supplements. And it makes sense because in the US, we really don't have a, a, a governing body that's actually paying attention to a lot of that stuff. And so sometimes the things that you um, buy and pay for are not the things that you get But that's not the case with this company. They do very rigorous third-party testing to ensure the purity of their products. Um, So what you are paying for and what you are buying is what you are getting. Um, They have a range of products that support different um, processes in the body. The one that I have been using the most and that I really like um, is their immune pill. I was using it throughout the winter when you know your natural immunity is going down because you're not – well, at least up in Canada, you're not really out in the sun, you're not uh, doing the healthy things that you're normally doing. So their supplement has vitamin C, it has elderberry, it has cordyceps, it has echinacea, um, all very well tested products that together can help you um Stay healthy as long as you're doing all the other good things, right? So uh, learn more about this company at medicinemanplantco.com. You can use my discount code, uh, MuscleMaven, of course, for 20% off. Go check out their products. Go have a read. Learn about them. If you have any questions, send me a message. We can chat about it. I'll be putting out more information um, over the coming weeks as we continue to partner together and and try to teach people about some of these ingredients. Um, But I wanted to pass that along to you because I like the company. I like their products. I've been using them and liking them. And so I thought you should know about them as well. So once again, it's MedicineManPlantCo.com. Discount code is Muscle Maven for twenty percent off. Go get you some. Now back to the show. Yep. I think this is just again me just having an opportunity to like rant to somebody else because I'm like, come on, why doesn't everybody just listen and do it right the first time? It's not like I did it right the first time either. Like we all kind of go through it, but um, oh, no, for but sure. I liked too that the book like so so this new book. Peak forty, right? Because you're talking yeah. about kind of people, athletes, everyone, kind of entering this sort of like. I, I don't want to. I don't even want to say the word middle age. Like
1: <laughs> hey, midlife. We like. We prefer midlife. midlife sounds. Midlife. It's a little softer. Okay. That's better.
0: Midlife, <laughs> midlife is better. Um, but this concept of you know maybe we're working our way out of like peak high performance years unless you're like i don't know tom brady whatever there's some people in their 40s crushing it
1: yeah there is though there is there is is for sure
0: it's totally a thing but i think most of us were like you know i'm in my 30s and so this was like very helpful for me because i'm definitely starting to like switch from being like oh i can do anything and i never feel any pain and everything's great and i'm so lucky to being like oh, look, there's people in their forties who aren't falling apart. Yay. Like I'm just kind of like retool my thinking. And I, it's good to see some positivity in that, like, you know, this consistency pays off and it's taking care of your body pays off and you don't have to give up on your goals because you're not 22 anymore. So like all of this is very, um, positive and helpful and hopeful for me. Um, but I think it was really like, I kind of want to touch on first, some of the like mental side of it. And you talk yeah in the book about happiness um, dipping mm-hmm. in the forties, it's like all time low for beings <laughs> in their forties. So I'm like, oh, cool, cool, great. Yeah. That's something fun it's, to look forward it's to. It's coming. But <laughs> it's funny because it's something even that I've been noticing in my thirties, um, you know, pandemic, global pandemic, notwithstanding, that I feel like it's a conversation that a lot of my friends and I are having where we sort of expect like your thirties is kind of this period of, not necessarily a lot of milestones that anyone talks or cares about, right? Like, in the first 20 years of your life, it's like milestone after milestone. Yeah. And then in your 20s, you're like establishing your education and your- There's career.
1: a lot of new stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe you're getting married, like all this stuff. And then in your 30s, you're just kind of expected to be sorted out. Like you're still young enough that you're probably healthy. Yeah. Everything's kind of assorted. Like don't yeah, worry about sweet it until spot. <laughs> until you're like closing in on like retirement age or something. And I'm just like, we're all- freaking out over here and we don't know why and we don't know if we should be and we're like there's a lot happening so anyway I feel like it starts even in your 30s but I'd love for you to kind of touch a little bit on this concept of of happiness and how and why it starts dipping as we kind of get into this like late 30s 40s why is this happening
1: yeah I mean it was interesting to see I mean in in elite sport now mental health is a big Factor, And this is even happening in younger individuals. And so as I was starting to dig around to see what was in the research, um, you know, there's a a gentleman named Dr. David Blanchflower, who's done this huge, he's an economist, huge research across global research, 132 countries. They measured 15 different indices of unhappiness. And what they actually found was that there was this U-shaped happiness curve. And so I thought, okay, well, I guess the bottom of the U is when you're least happy. I wonder what ages those are from. And it's, you know, from 41 to 47 and again, psychologists might, you know, disagree a little bit with this, but this is from an economist standpoint. You know, this is when happiness is at, at its lowest, and so this didn't matter if it was a rich country or a poor country. Uh, it didn't matter if it was, you know, what continent you were on. It didn't matter the the average income of the individuals. Um, and so, you know, this is where this idea of in midlife, there's a lot of different things happening. I mean, there's just the busyness if if people are having families then just the busyness of having kids and the you know the lack of sleep that builds up and all those types of things you know there's also you know by your mid-30s or so you're sort of looking at your life a little bit differently or you're seeing yourself a little bit more clearly than you know when you know when we're in our 20s and there's a term called delusional confidence, right? We're, we're all sort of running on this confidence that we're, um, which is great, but but we we tend to get a bit more uh, clear view of, of some things and that shifts our, our mindsets. And so it's not to say that we're destined to be unhappy when we're hitting into midlife. It's more around that connection between if your mindset starts to shift and let's call it lower, then that actually starts to impact a lot of different things, right? And it starts to impact the food choices you make, it starts to impact whether or not you choose to exercise or what types of exercise it impacts, whether you decide to stay up a little bit later and have another beer, glass of wine versus getting to bed on time. And I think what everyone's realized with the pandemic is that these little things, right, where everyone's now having, you know, in pandemic years, it's like everyone's having a glass of wine or two or three every single night. And we start to realize how that impacts us physically. And so with all this big, you know, sort of hurricane of, of of to-do lists and deadlines and and social responsibilities, you know, it's, it's a busy time. And so this is where, you know, does that client who wanted to calculate all their macros in their late twenties, early thirties and spend all that time, maybe they still want to keep doing that and that's cool. But what you tend to see a lot of is people saying, how do I simplify this? Like, how do I, how do I make this easier? So I don't have to think about exactly what I'm doing every day so I can keep myself, you know, more or less on the straight and narrow. You know, um, and be able to be more intuitive with what I'm doing, and so that's where it's really a bit of polarity between Peak. We we, we take the deeper dive in terms of the, the sports and and the granularity of grams per kilogram and all this type of thing, and then with Peak 40, it's more how do we how do we set up some rules so it just makes things a little bit easier. And they're again they're, they're it's more of a template because you can you can be vegan or vegetarian or paleo or carnivore or everything in between. And if, if, if we apply these principles and most of us can help to get things started. So we start to feel better and then we can build on that, that personalization as we go.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it, you, you are touching on something there where it's like, I don't feel old, but I do feel like I've got a little bit less time to mess around right now, like a little bit (laughs) less time to waste, like sort yourself out now. Okay. You're not a kid anymore. Let's figure this out. And I do, I like the idea of thinking about this stuff, obviously before you find yourself at that lowest part of you, because I feel like it's a lot easier to kind of try to flatten that curve than it is to pull yourself out of the bottom of it. However, I mean, there's always things you can do no matter kind of where you are on that, on that Space, I suppose.
1: Oh, for sure. And you mentioned recovery before. I mean, recovery, when we look at the pillars, I mean, sleep is one of the fundamental ones. And again, if simply not getting enough sleep makes it harder for us to shake off negative thinking, mm-hmm. right? And so, again, this idea of being in that low point, all of a sudden we get less sleep. It's harder to disconnect from a lot of the negative self talk. And now, again, that starts to influence. So it's, it's these little things that can start to creep up on us. And even just being aware of it helps because then we can start to to build in some, some behaviors and some habits that help us to offset it. Right.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go just a little bit off topic here. Cause I want you let's do to it. mention, you mentioned sleep. So I got to talk about it because let's go for it. This is the one. And I, you know, I've talked to a lot of smarter, more experienced coaches and performance people than, than myself who talk about this concept of like, always balancing um lifestyle factors or actions or tactics that are going to to move the needle versus the individual's likelihood of actually like doing it and sticking to it right so if you look at like just taking an example um of a client maybe that i have whose food is like pretty sorted out it's not perfect but it's like pretty good mm-hmm. and their sleep is pretty garbage and they would do anything I tell them food wise. So I could tighten up some food stuff and they'd do it no problem. And it wouldn't really move the needle like this much. Whereas if they could sort their sleep out, like their life would change, (laughs) but getting them to do that is like a, a mountain that I can't even think about how to start to climb. So- it, and sleep is just such a massive thing. It's such a massive issue that impacts everything else. We all kind of know it, but so many people just sort of ignore it because nobody wants to deal with it because it's hard and it's not sexy and it's not fun. Um, yeah. and it also doesn't almost feel like as tangible, right? Like even though people don't necessarily like want to diet, there is this sort of like immediate feeling of being productive when you like change the way you eat, for example. Yeah. Whereas with or, sleep,
1: exercise and- or exercise. Or
0: mm-hmm. exercise. Whereas with sleep, if it's just like go to sleep earlier and like do all these things before bed. that calm you down instead of the things you're used to doing that distract you and like all of this stuff or stop drinking wine before bed. Like no one wants to do
1: anything. (laughs) It's tough to go from zero to 60 for sure.
0: Yeah. So like, what, what is some advice that you have for people who like just know that sleep is the is the elephant in the room that they've been avoiding like is it the same as everything else where you kind of just take it like really minimal steps at a time like instead of you know saying no screens just say like maybe just don't bring your phone into the bedroom or like instead of don't drink every night like let's just do a night or two where we don't have a glass of wine like how do you approach that
1: yeah i mean again if we parallel to elite athletes i mean olympians get poor sleep quality than than age and sex match controls in the general population. And so it becomes this thing of like, even elite athletes know that sleep's really great for performance, whether it's reaction time, sprint time, strength, all these types of things, and and they struggle to get it. And so this is back to that human aspect of how do we actually get people to start doing this? Um, And to your point before, I mean, you know, I had a client, this is where coaching, you know, I found being able to buy into this period of time allows you to go through these tough conversations. Cause I had a client, it took us almost two months to sort out the sleep piece. And just to your point, all these other buckets were small wins, but the, the fact that her sleep was so dysfunctional and the behaviors leading up to it, were just leading to very poor sleep quality. We just had to keep on the same topic week after week. And, you know, I'm sure I was driving her crazy by the middle of it, but it's like we have to address this thing, which is actually one of the most pivotal things. And, you know, eventually this started to, you know, it it clued in and, you know, as you mentioned before, a lot of clients like to feel like they've stumbled upon something themselves too. So even providing resources or whatnot, but for her getting that sleep right again, now, all of a sudden, I mean, we know if you don't get enough sleep, your glucose response to the, the same breakfast you always have is worse the next morning. So you're already starting the day. And I mentioned the, you know, the negative thinking. And so, you know, what do we do? Well, I think trying to automate as many things as we can is a great place to start. So even with this idea of whether it's eating too late at night or getting to bed early, you know, even starting with a day or two a week where you say Monday and Tuesday, you know, I'm going to go to bed. If you're used to going to bed at 1130, you might say 11, right? So most sleep experts would suggest you only bump up the sleep by about half an hour a week because if you're used to staying up till 11.30 or let's say midnight, you can't just go to bed at 10 p.m., right? It's gonna to be tough to make that big a switch. Um, but, but pre-selecting those days and making, you know, anytime we're changing behavior, we're trying to, you know, over here in the UK, they said mind the gap when you're getting on the tube, right? That the dis- distance between the curb and the, and the subway. And we gotta keep that as small as we can because if that gap's too wide, there's, we're just not gonna do it. And so, you know, with the alcohol, same idea. Monday and Tuesday, let's not have any alcohol. Let's not have a glass of wine. Let's have, you know, it's not as sexy. Let's have a cup of tea, right? still provides a bit of sensation. You know, we're having something. But ultimately what we're trying to do is take the decision-making away. Like if we always have to make a decision, then it's difficult, right? Because- The fact that the environment is triggering a lot of these cues, just the fact that you sit in that same room every night, and that's the room you enjoy a glass of wine and you watch television and and relax. That room is actually triggering the desire, right, from a from a central level, from your brain, to want to have that. And if and and to juxtapose that for a minute, when you get in your car, like you're not inspired or motivated or even disciplined to put your seatbelt on, but it happens in a split second. You sit in your car, boom, you put the seatbelt on. And that's that kind of, when you build that habit and that automaticity part comes in, that that environment can trigger the right cue. And so to avoid that decision-making for some people, I suggest even on that Monday or Tuesday, like, let's get out of that room that you enjoy the red wine in and let's go in a different room and maybe read a book or let's go take a hot bath or let's go for a walk. Let's change the environment so that the cue isn't screaming at your subconscious, you know, hey, where's that glass of cab sofa that I really like on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. So that's a place to start. And then from there, you know, it's obviously quite individual, but if we can reduce that decisions every time and just have it become more automatic, you know, we have a lot better odds of success.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like like two kind of big concepts. There are sort of like replacing an action with another one. Right. Which is Mm -hmm. again, very, I think kind of human nature that like just taking things away from people isn't always the best way to get yeah. change to happen but replacing it with something else
1: usually mm-hmm. is
0: um and then the idea of of having less choice i think it's such an important conversation too because on the surface people think like nobody wants their choices taken away from them no one wants to mm. they can't do something um which isn't really what's being said here because at the end of the day you can always do whatever the hell you want and you can change the choices that are, that you're making every day. Right. So it's just different choices or different options. But like, I like to tell people too, you know, I wrote this, I wrote my own book, a cookbook, Mm -hmm. I'll send you a copy about organ meats. And, you know, one of the arguments, one of the, the things that I talk about is that yes, you can absolutely explore and play and figure out ways to make these taste good. It's a, it's mm. sort of like a holdover myth that it, it has to be gross, um, but also that like you're an adult, everything that you eat shouldn't be chocolate cake. Like you should make these decisions because they're good for you. And so it's, it's like you shouldn't have unlimited choices and decisions to make every day because it's not healthy for you and it's not beneficial, even if it sounds nice to just, yeah. I'm an adult, I can do whatever I want. Like you shouldn't really though, should you? Like all the time?
1: Like (laughs) have
0: have some behaviors that are routine that are built in that just support our health. And then we can make these mindful decisions, you know, later or in other circumstances. But yeah, it's just- so true. uh, Yeah, that we should just like be able to do anything we want anytime because we're an adult. It's like, that's not really how happiness works. It sounds kind of like it could be, but it's not.
1: And, and even the definition of treat, if you want to even go to that level, is like the definition of treat is the occasional indulgence, right? Like once we're having that bowl of ice cream every single night, it's no longer a treat, right? It's just, it's just our diet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, but, but to circle back even, I mean, I think a lot of clients just get nervous that these rules are going to then bleed mm. into their weekend. You know, I'm mm. sure you see this where it's like, well, I'm going to have to do this all the time. I'm not going to be able to enjoy my life. And most of the time it's like, no, if you do well five days out of the week, let's call it Monday to Friday, you can still live a little on the weekends and enjoy things like that's ultimately the balance we want to get to. And I think, you know, you can see that sort of anxiety in some clients, can't you, when you start to change a few things? Because it's almost like, well, does that mean I can't do this or that? And to your point, I mean, these are adults and they make these. And it's funny when you look at their professional lives and you think, oh, geez, you're using this skill and this skill and this skill in your professional life. Well, how come we're lacking all three of those in, in this journey we're doing here on the nutrition side? Let's start to pull. And sometimes when you highlight that disconnect, like you're actually doing this all day in your job, we, we just need to apply it over here. Um, you, you can start to see those light bulbs going off like, oh shit, I guess you're right. Yeah. I think we need to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I going back to the mindset part, like another part of your book that I really thought was cool that really made me think was uh, this section on sort of values and figuring out what your values are and narrowing them down. And what I thought was so cool about it is. Like, I think most of us, and especially the people who are listening to this podcast, who tend to be, I think, very thoughtful, intelligent people, um, but people who care nice, about their health, <laughs> right? um, people who care about their health, people who, you know, are are doing this kind of work, right? Like, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this for fun, you're a bit of a nerd. You care about the stuff. Yeah. Um, we tend to think, I know what my values are. Like, I, I, you know, when I started reading this section, I'm like, well, I know, like, I care about like health and you know being good to the people around me and blah 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 and then when you read it a little bit deeper and there's like this whole like there's a page that just listed like a hundred or something like different values and it's like actually look at these and maybe pick like Mm. 10 or 15 and then put those on a piece of paper and then if you had to like pick three and think about why those are the most important and it's actually really difficult and kind of intense. And like, then you have mm-hmm. to think about, okay, well, why am I choosing like, I don't know um, autonomy over like kindness or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, just, yeah. just as an example. And so it really like I sat with that for a while. Cause I'm like, I really feel like if people spent some time, with that. And it's okay if it changes and it's okay, you know, depending on your mood, whatever, but to really be thoughtful about it because I do think most average people, we kind of walk through the world on autopilot thinking like, of course, we want to be a good person. We want to be healthy. We want to be happy. Helping people. Yeah, sure. But
1: like, you actually. I've got time.
0: (laughs) But when you really like look at all of the different options and the nuances of what these all mean, and and why is it important to you, and why is this more important than that, it can really help you narrow it down. And I think why that's important is because, of course, it applies to your whole life, not just what you decide to eat or how you decide to exercise. But because I think like what you said earlier about how so many of us are so high performing and competent and confident in our lives. And then when it comes to how we treat our health and our bodies, we kind of lose all of it because I feel like we are just less thoughtful about it in some cases. Like I have so many people who come to me saying, well, I'm doing keto and I've got to do keto, but it's kind of affecting me this way. And like, what do I do? Or I just have to be 12% body fat or all of these things. And even just asking the question like, Actually, why? I'm not telling you that it's terrible or your idea Mm -hmm. or your plan is bad, but like, why do you have to be keto? Why do you have to be 12% body fat, all of these things? And a lot, like a surprisingly high amount of the time, people have no answer. They have no answer. And it's very difficult to achieve a challenging goal when you actually don't have any intrinsic Belief or need for it or reason for it. Yeah, connection. Um, yeah, or connection to it. So it just, the, that whole value section I thought was just so important and such a cool exercise for people to do. I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, it is a really eye opening thing because, yeah, we always think we know what we stand for until someone's like, all right, do this for 10 minutes and go through this and think about it. And, you know, this really came from watching coaches, coaching athletes, and there's obviously different personality types. and. If you think of a personality type, like the hardware on your computer, like you you can't change really personality types, right? People are the way they are in that sense. And so from a coaching standpoint, if we're trying to do that, then that's not going to lead to a really successful outcome. And then this is where the values part comes in, because, you know, if, if we know our values, then then we can start to, you know, juxtapose the behaviors that we're doing and you know do they orient towards these values you know like you say you want x y and z but these are the behaviors you have and actually your values are over here and so for me over the last you know it's been building i'd say over the last decade of just when people get stuck i think naturally we're trying to help solve the problem by tweaking the caloric intake or adjusting the macros or changing the nutrition plan or um, the exercise plan rather sets reps and you know over the course of time, I've sort of backed up a little bit. And when things really get stuck, getting more on this mindset piece, I'm really trying to understand like what, what's going on here. Why is there such a, and what happens is you tend to start teasing out a lot of these fears and anxieties that people have that are the actual roadblocks, right? It's not that they just can't not eat avocados or they want to have X food, right? There's, there's that deeper part of it. Um, and it is, it's a real eye opener and it's one of those ones that kind of shakes you a little bit because then, once you've done the exercise and you have these things you made you know that individual made made the list and made that you know that paragraph of their sort of personal philosophy and so you've now got to live up to it and it's amazing how all of a sudden these behaviors that we were struggling with you know it's like the tide just rises up and it's much easier now to do x or y or to you know to find that sort of solution and so you know, I would encourage people who are stuck to go back to that idea because, um, you know, that, that's kind of like your North star, right. It helps to really orient, like, why am I doing this? Like, once I get to 12.5%, well, what does that mean then? What do I do tomorrow? You know?
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's clarity, even if it's uncomfortable is going to be beneficial to <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it will be uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, for most of us.
0: Like, even like when I was looking at this list, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, there's, there's some introspection going on there that you probably wouldn't do unless prompted, right? A lot of people. So, um, I, and I mean, I guess this leads now to a, a part of kind of the, the coaching maybe a relationship that I've thought about and maybe struggled with a lot. And I actually just did like a big podcast, um, about coaching because I was asking coaches and I was asking clients what, they felt was wrong with the relationship. Like, cause everybody mm-hmm. has a story of, Oh, I, I paid this coach a bunch of money and nothing happened and it sucked and they sucked. And then mm-hmm. coaches all have, and I'm not necessarily talking about again, working with high level athletes, although probably that's the case too. But yeah. a lot of coaches have experiences where they're like, I was just so disappointed working with this client because I was so excited and they seemed so excited. And then it just fizzled and there was no motivation and I'm disappointed and they're disappointed. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of And so much of it goes back to, I think, communication, clear communication, consistent communication, um, clearly articulating goals and expectations on both ends, knowing what those goals and expectations are, um, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. But, But what this conversation is making me think about more is how much of our health and performance struggles are often symptoms of deeper things so symptoms of more um yeah deeply ingrained kind yeah. Of beliefs or anxieties or fears and so this is really like entering into like psychiatrist psychologist counselor therapist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. area which i think i think um non-trained psychiatrists and psychologists yeah, it's
1: beyond the scope of practice right it's uh, know,
0: yeah I was going to say
1: the reality is we have to dip into that a little bit. And so, yeah, having some skills or some ability to navigate is key because it's inevitably going to go there. Um, But yeah, to what you're saying, I mean, for some people it can really be, you know, they need professional support. And, you know, I use the analogy of like a backpack, like we're walking around with these backpacks full of past experiences and everything else. And you imagine like a 50 pound backpack that you're trying to go up this hill with. And it's like, you can keep going with that backpack with all those you know, thoughts and beliefs that you've had in the past. And we can just push hard and, and go up that hill with that extra 50 pounds. Or the weird thing was, you know, we could just put the backpack down. Like we don't have to carry, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but having worked with some mental performance coaches, we can bring some of these aspects and obviously people need deeper, but uh, you know, we don't have to carry that backpack with us. We can actually just put it down and let it go. And of course, that's easier said than done, but even just having that frame of reference um, and, and, thinking on that a little bit because and we all have you know our subconscious these things that are these these roadblocks that are holding us back but i think anybody who's stuck you know and for significant times whether it's that coach relationship with uh, with the client as well because you know you're right in a sense of if the client doesn't feel like the coach is really in their corner mm-hmm. then it can go wrong really quickly or if they feel like they don't really understand um and it's uh It comes back to that human aspect, doesn't it? Like, if you feel like you've got this connection, if you feel like the person's authentic, if you feel like they're able to be vulnerable with you as well, you can build some trust. Mm -hmm. And again, that's the same thing on the elite athlete side. Um, But if we don't have that, then all of a sudden we don't feel like that person's in our corner or we're just getting lip service. And now, you know, things can derail pretty quick.
0: Yeah. It's the same with any relationship, even like I was saying.
1: <laughs> probably, like, yeah. I'm
0: not telling you, you need to like, you know, make out with your coach. You probably shouldn't, but I'm
1: just saying <laughs>
0: should, yeah. that the thing, unless
1: like, you're a couple, <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and then, like, there's a whole yeah. conversation about, should, you, should yeah. your partner be your coach, but yeah, like, no, true you know, it's this idea that like with any successful relationship, there needs to be communication and respect and a sense that the other person cares and understands where you're coming from. Um, all of those things apply to every relationship. Um, but, but a lot of it is how much personal responsibility do you take? Because you cannot assume that your partner or your coach knows what you're thinking and knows what you want if you don't communicate it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it just goes mm-hmm. back around to like this. There is a little bit of being sort of a, a counselor therapist um, involved in any coaching aspect because it's very, very rarely that someone comes to you and is like, I'm 100% sorted out in my brain. I just need you to tell me what to <laughs> eat. Like, that's never the thing. Like, it's just. I
1: don't know for sure. And it's amazing. It doesn't matter how high somebody is in the ladder of, you know, I remember when I was a full time personal trainer back in the day, you know. You see somebody three times a week for an hour, you get to know them pretty good after even a month. Right. And so it's yeah. uh people, you know, we've got challenges no matter how much money or how little money or what status or not status. Again, these things are impacting everybody. So it's like, all right, how are we going to, how are we going to dig through all this and, and, and get, get ourselves, you know, again, kind of out of the thinking brain and just get into the, be able to kind of automate as much as we can and get in these, build some of these habits that can help us to get to where we want to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I have some sort of like smaller like I guess drilled down questions but maybe cuz we are starting to come to the end here like mm-hmm. and this is kind of a big question but like yeah we've mostly touched on sort of like um mental and emotional and kind of life stage sort of feelings about our our health and our fitness and things like that that are addressed in the book but mm-hmm. what what is like the main kind of message and and lesson that you wanted to impart on your readers with this book like what do you really want to communicate to people
1: that's a great question i mean this is one again kind of working in, in elite sport a lot of the coaches and performance staff are in midlife and they're working their tails off and it's uh, their sort of health becomes almost second fiddle to the to the performance of the team and obviously 20 years of working with clients you know, there's, there's different ways we can do it depending on the person in front of us. And, and I think in when life gets busy, then we need simpler approaches when we, not every client that we have wants to be into nutrition as much as we are. And so they don't, they, they want sort of that, you know, the heuristics and the straightforward approach. And so, you know, the, I guess maybe the a quick uh, quick story, Erling Kag, who I talk about in the book, he's an explorer. And this guy, he's been to the three poles. So North Pole, South Pole, and the top of Mount Everest, which I didn't realize was also a pole. Yeah. But so, you know, avid adventurer. And this guy spent 50 days going across the, the Antarctica, right? Which is minus 60, 70, whatever it is. I mean, just absolute ridiculous conditions. And if you think to yourself, well, he did that. And that's obviously more stressful and challenging than trying to lose 10 or 20 pounds or lower your blood pressure or improve your blood sugars and they asked him well earlier how 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 the heck did you trek 50 days and these you know sub-zero temperatures you know to get across antarctica and he said you know i put one foot in front of the other and i did it enough times you just think like it's so you know beautifully simple but ruthlessly effective right and it's this idea of The goals that we're trying to achieve or our clients are trying to achieve are definitely not as intense as crossing Antarctica, but the key is they feel like it to us, right? They feel like we're taking that on. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons why the book starts on this happiness piece and ends with, again, the mindset values, all these types of things is that if we can get that piece, if we can tap into that, it's amazing how these other things like the nutrition and the exercise and getting to sleep on time those start to fall into place a lot more easily. And so, you know, hopefully people can take a few things or practitioners can take a few things out of that to apply uh, to their clients
0: love that that's so good just and it's just like the more maybe the more we hear it the more we'll internalize it that it's like all of our journeys are the same whether you're yeah a crazy person trying
1: to- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, who or, does that
0: yeah or if you're just trying to get in better shape or eat better or whatever you're you're so right it's not about how difficult the goal is it's about how you perceive it and how you're willing to kind of approach it and just that one step in front of the other that's literally that's literally all it is. Yeah. There
1: you go. Wax on, wax off.
0: <sighs> okay. Well, I feel like that's a really good, smart place to end so we can do that. It, cool. When is the book out? Because it's not out yet.
1: So the book uh, Peak 40 comes out on May 20th. Okay. And my first book, Peak, is uh, has been out for a couple of years. And it's been nice to see the, the reception and performance circles and the general population. So that's available as well.
0: Cool. And people can get it everywhere, like classic sort of Amazon.
1: Yeah, you can get it everywhere. And, you know, if you want to fire out any questions, I got a funny last name. So at Dr. bubbs on all the social media, you can find me pretty easy. Dr. is a website. So there you go.
0: I, I have a funny last name, too, because the only other person in the world with my last name is Milhouse from The Simpsons. So it's a claim to fame. Even
1: That is. It's a- <laughs> one of the best shows ever. So there you go. <laughs> exactly.
0: What uh, what is what? kind of last name is bubs
1: well it's a bub was the original name with b-u-b-b english and coming over they added the s but uh, my mom's side is french canadian so it's uh, a it's a good it's a it's definitely a mix in the household
0: Right. Okay. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for writing this book. Like I said, I mean, I, I read a lot of these books for my line of work, and I th- really think you've done something just so important and so applicable for so many people, again, because it's great to have the information out there, but if people can't connect with it or understand it or use it, then kind of mm-hmm. what's the point? And I really feel like this book is something that anybody could take something from and and use it and resonate with it because I know I I really did so. Um,
1: well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, and we'll we'll do it again sometime. And maybe hundred uh, percent. Maybe someday when you uh, feel like
1: uh, back in back Montreal, we'll be there. You go. Yeah, <laughs> allowed to back
0: to Canada, and we're allowed to do things we'll yeah. work out in or something. Hundred uh, percent. All right. Thanks, Mark.
1: Awesome. Take care.
0: that's it, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I have nothing else smart to say. Dr. Bub said it all. Um, I appreciate you being here. Thank you again to our show sponsor. They are new. They're a new company, a new sponsor for us. Um, If you have questions about Medicine Man Plant Co, the maker of these uniquely formulated herbal supplements that support health and immune function, send me a message. Send me a message on Instagram, at The Muscle Maven. Send me an email. You can go through my website, ashleyvanhouten.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there too, but their products are rigorously third party tested. They've got ingredients that are recognizable, not scary, stuff like elderberry, vitamin C, echinacea, cordyceps, stuff that I'm usually taking separately anyway. And they just kind of put it together in a convenient little pill form for me um, to keep me going, you know, keep keep my immune system robust, keep me healthy, uh, along with all the other amazing things I'm doing every day, like eating organ meats and going for walks and working out and sleeping and stuff like that. Um, but the company is awesome. The people behind it are really, really, um, genuine, cool guys. Um, and I hope that you, you check them out, go to their website. It's medicine, man, plant And you can use the discount code muscle maven, of course, for 20% off. And that's it. I hope you join me next week for another amazing episode and, uh, take care of yourself guys. Get out in the sun. We'll be